His father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us and in the house of his servant David, as he said through his prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine light on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Thanks, love. Uh, as, um, me and Annika are married, just if you're, if you're new. Um, um, that's, that's not too weird. Um, we've had a couple of people today already say how much they love Christmas, Christmas songs, Christmas music. I love Christmas music. Um, I actually thought, just to start off today, why don't we um, take 30 seconds and turn to the person next to you. I'd love you to share, if you have a favourite Christmas song, share that with the, with the person next to you, a favourite Christmas song. 30 seconds, can we do that? All right. Does anyone, does anyone love their favourite Christmas song enough that they want to sh- shout it out loud for everyone? Mary did, you, Mary, did you know? Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? That's a classic. Any others? Did anyone, any, any, maybe the person who was sharing with you, did anyone share a really embarrassing Christmas song? Anyone say, I, I saw mummy kissing Santa Claus or anything like that? Was that Mike's? No? <laughs> no, 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 no. There we go, there we go. Um, I was thinking about that this week, what my favourite is. I think my favourite is O Come All You Faithful. Does anyone like O Come? Um, it's just, um, it's so stirring, isn't it? You know, O Come All You Faithful, Joyful and Triumphant. Um, really gets you going on... Um, on Christmas Day, and then I love the, um, the bit at the end with the, oh, come, let us adore him, where you sort of always, you have to start by whispering, you know, oh, come, let us adore him, oh, come, let us adore him, oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Um, what a great, great song, isn't it? You can, you can tell I love it. Um, but there are, um, there are plenty of terrible Christmas songs out there as well, can I say? Um, I'm going to put a, a controversial opinion out there, it might offend some of you. Um, we wish you a Merry Christmas is a, I just think it's a shocker, absolute shocker, it's annoying, I mean, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry, I mean, there are other lyrics, you know, um, and uh, yeah, that's right, that's the big finish, and a happy new year, I mean, it's so profound, isn't it, wow, I mean, geez, the, the writer must have just spent months and months trying to come up with that, don't you think? Um, sorry, if I have offended you, come up to me afterwards and I'll apologise, but um, if that's your favourite Christmas song, but I don't think I'll, we'll have anyone in that category, will we? So, um, Now, over the next couple of weeks here at church, we are going to be looking at two great Christmas songs, uh, songs that are in the Bible. Uh, this week, as we've had read, that is the song of Zechariah, and next week we're going to be looking at the song of Mary. They both come from Luke chapter 1, and both songs are songs that celebrate hope. Both songs are songs that celebrate hope and explore hope. They're songs of hope. Uh, and they're not songs that sing of a vague hope, a, you know, we wish you Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year kind of, you know, hope you have a good one kind of vague hope. Uh, they're songs that tell of real and certain reasons to have hope as we reflect on Christmas. Uh, they tell of a hope that we can bank on, a hope that's still there even when life isn't going our way. Zachariah's song particularly, 
as a song of hope for those who are struggling to trust God, a song of hope for those who, they ne- who feel like they need his help, uh, a song of hope for the wanderer, the one who's a long way from God. A great song to think about together uh, as we come close to Christmas this morning. Uh, three points as we look at Zachariah's song. It's a song of hope, a song of hope for those who stuff up, a song of hope for those who need rescue, and a song of hope for those who are far off. Uh, so first of all, hope for those who stuff up. Uh, for this point, we're going to go and have a look at Zechariah himself uh, and what brought Zechariah to sing this song. Uh, to, to get to this point where we're seeing this, he's seeing this song that we're looking at today, uh, because Zechariah's song comes after he's made a major stuff up. Uh, you might have heard a little bit of the story of Zechariah before. We didn't uh, have it read out for us earlier, so we're going to um, bring it up now and have a look at it. Look at it. Um, his story starts in uh, Luke chapter one, verse five. Uh, This is the story of Zechariah and his stuff-up. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. So here we go, this is Zechariah. He is a priest. Uh, He's married to Elizabeth, who's also from a priestly line. So it's a pretty impressive kind of guy, pretty impressive couple, pretty impressive lineage. Uh, And verse 6, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. So we have a priest married to someone who's from a priestly line. They're righteous. They follow the law. Of course, that doesn't mean they're perfect, but these are, these are good people, Zachariah and Elizabeth. They're the sorts of people you'd put on your church leadership team, people you'd respect and love to have as friends. But verse 7, Zachariah and Elizabeth have been through something very hard. Uh, they've, all their life they've wanted to have children and they haven't been able to. A really hard thing. Of course, one of those really hard things that many of us, uh, many people still go through today. Verse 7, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, that's kind of the background. This is uh, the couple, Zachariah and Elizabeth. Here's where we get to kind of the meat of the story, uh, starting at starting at verse 8. Uh, Once when Zachariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring many many of the people to Israel to the Lord their God. Bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, they are pretty amazing words from this angel, aren't they? This is great news. After so long of not being able to have children, Zechariah and Elizabeth are going to have a son, and a very special son at that. But this is where Zechariah then gets it wrong. He stuffs it up. What should he say? He should say something like, this is amazing, you know, praise, praise, he should praise God. But instead, verse 18, he says, uh, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. 
You see, Zechariah fails to trust God. He's a great guy. He's very righteous. But at this key moment, he stuffs up. He kind of bottles it. Verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Zachariah is a great guy, but at this moment, he doesn't believe God. He doesn't trust God's word. He stuffs up. Now, we might leave the passage there, but the angel's words, they do come true. Zachariah, because he's failed to trust God, immediately he's, he's not able to speak. He, he comes out of the temple, he's struck mute. And he stays that way. He doesn't say a word for nine months until the baby is born. The angel's words do come true about that too. That's finally when Zachariah opens his mouth and gives us the song that Annika read for us. But now one one question that I think uh, some of us might be wondering, and if you are wondering, I think it's a really good question. Some of us might be thinking, wasn't this all a little bit harsh? Wasn't this all a little bit harsh? I mean, Zachariah, really all he does is, well, He's told his wife's going to have a baby, and he, he doubts. He asks the question. I mean, he's just not sure. I mean, at one level, that's a very reasonable thing to do, isn't it? You know, they were both old. Elizabeth was past childbearing years. It's fair enough to um, have a question about um, whether or not this is actually possible. Is asking that question really enough to deserve nine long months of not being able to speak? It seems at first, I think, a little bit like an overreaction. Uh, but let's just think about it a little, more, little bit more deeply because there's a few things going on here that we probably don't um, think about at first. One thing is, um, in Luke chapter 1, there is a contrast going on between Zechariah and Mary. Um, so we haven't read anything about Mary's story yet. We're going to look at Mary next week. Um, but you'll probably know that an angel also comes to Mary. An angel also tells Mary that she's going to have an unlikely baby. And so you have these two people who are in these similar situations, but where Zechariah doubts, Mary trusts. And you think about these two people. Zechariah, well, he's the religious elite. He's the priest. He's the one married to someone from a priestly line. He's the righteous one. And yet, he's, he's the one who doubts. And Mary, the teenage girl, she's the one who believes. It's kind of um, back to front to what you would expect, isn't it? And this is the beginning of a theme that goes right through the book of Luke, where we see that often it's the surprising ones who come to God and trust. It's, you know, it's the prodigal son who ends up celebrating with the father, not the righteous older son. Or when Jesus heals 10 people, it's the Samaritan that's the only one who comes back to him to thank him. Here it's the teenage girl who trusts God's word and the righteous priest who doubts. So a contrast between the two of them. But also, um, the other thing I think we should think about is just think for a minute about the place where Zechariah is and, and the situation that he's in. Of all the places he could hear this angel, he's in the Holy of Holies, in the center of the temple. This is a This is actually a a once-in-a-lifetime moment. Zechariah, you might have picked it up there as we read, he's been chosen by Lot to go into the Holy Holy of Holies. And once once a priest was given that honour, once they were chosen out of the hat, um, they would never be chosen a second time. So this is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for Zechariah. So you think, this this is the highlight of his career. This is the key moment in all his years of priestly service. In many ways, the key moment of his whole life. Um, I promised I wouldn't do too many World Cup references this morning, but this is a bit like the soccer player who gets to the World Cup final. This is it. This is the biggest game he's ever going to play in. Uh, but if it's anything like that, well, this is the ca- in this case, it's the player who gets to the World Cup final and then just gets overwhelmed by the occasion and has a shocker of a match. He bottles it. 
of all the places you might expect God to promise something wonderful, of all the places you'd think, I'm ready to trust whatever God says to me. And God sends the angel and Zechariah doubts. He doesn't, he doesn't believe. So that's, that's a couple of things that I think we should notice that uh, maybe make um, a bit more sense of why Zechariah uh, is struck mute. Uh, and one more thing as well. The third thing I think that's going on here, it's a little bit more subtle, but um, there's a lot of Old Testament symbolism going on in this story as well. Um, with the birth of John the Baptist, there's lots of references back to um, prophecy in the book of Malachi, particularly the book of Malachi. And the book of Malachi um, talks about a lot of things around priests. It talk, talks about priests like Zechariah. And um, the book of Malachi says at one point that the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. The lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge. That's what priests are meant to do. They're meant to speak the truth. And instead of speaking the truth, Zechariah's lips have spoken words of doubt. And so it sort of makes sense, doesn't it, that the punishment would be that, well, you haven't done what you should have done, you haven't spoken words of truth, so I'm not going to let you speak at all until you've seen that God is the God who really does deliver what he's promised. You can see why the punishment kind of fits the crime, doesn't it? Although I'm not even sure we should necessarily see what happens to Zechariah as so much of a punishment primarily, um, in some ways I think this is more of God making a point for us. You know, God said, Zechariah, you've spoken words of doubt, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to keep you quiet so that the very next words you're going to speak, they're going to be words of hope because then that's when you're going to know that you can trust me because Zechariah might have stuffed up, but God knew that he was always going to deliver on his promise. God did what he said he would do. Maybe, um, maybe as we come to the end of 2022, you feel, you're feeling perhaps that uh, this is a year where you've stepped up, stuffed up a bit. Uh, maybe there are some things where you're not so proud of how you've gone about things this year. Maybe you have some regrets about 2022. Um, well, Christmas is a good reminder that we do sometimes stuff things up. And when we do, well, it doesn't stuff up God's plans. He's a God of mercy. Christmas reminds us that he came into this world for people like us, for people who do sometimes stuff up. He came to give us hope, to rescue us. Which brings us to point number two. Hope for those who need rescue. Uh, Let's move now to have a look at the actual song of Zechariah, now that we've kind of seen the background behind it. He hasn't spoken for nine long months. Finally, his mouth's opened again. And well, the first words he says are worth the wait, aren't they? Um, Verse verse 67, Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, which when it says prophesied here, it's really less of a prediction and more about just speaking truth that comes from God by the Holy Spirit. And you might expect, okay, he, he, you know, his son's just been born, you might expect that the first words he's going to say would be um, words about his newborn son, but no, he's been waiting nine long months to speak and the first thing he wants to do is he wants to praise God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Zechariah understands that a little bit like he's been waiting for so long to speak. Well, Israel's been waiting so long for God to act. Israel's been waiting for God to speak. Whether Zechariah had nine months about it and he's been had all this in his head and he just wants to get it out, or or whether you know we think more about the, the Holy Spirit coming in him and helping him speak these great words of truth, whatever it is, he tells us exactly what Christmas is all about. God coming to his people. God coming to his people to redeem them, to rescue them. And verse 69, he's coming to save them. 
He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Uh, this is symbolism for a king. Zechariah singing about a coming king of salvation. A king in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. So a long, a long promised king of salvation. A, a king who will save salvation, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. All of this is what's going to be fulfilled through Jesus. God is going to come. He's going to come as Jesus, the king. And he's going to come to save. He's going to redeem his people, rescue his people. He's going to come and he's going to save. And verses 72 to 75 give us three reasons why Jesus came to earth at Christmas time. As it says here, firstly, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. Jesus is going to come to show that God is a God who keeps his promises. He's faithful to those promises he made long ago. Second, he's going to come to rescue us from the hand of our enemies in the middle there. And as the story goes on, we understand that really that rescue from the hand of our enemies, really what it's talking about is sin, and particularly our own sin. And third, Jesus came to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness uh, before him all our days. Jesus is coming to bring us into his kingdom so that we might serve God. Well, as we realize that we are the sort of people who stuff up as uh, we realize that we are the sorts of people who need rescue, the sorts of people uh, who sin, we can see why the wonderful good news of Christmas gives us great reason for hope, can't we? God came to us to rescue us, to give us a new kingdom to belong to. And because of Jesus, we can belong to his new kingdom, not this kingdom of, uh, not this world of brokenness. We can belong to his kingdom that's going to last forever. What amazing reasons to have real hope at Christmas time, not just a hope you have a Merry Christmas kind of Happy New Year kind of hope, but hope that's certain. If we follow him, we'll belong to his kingdom forever. This is, it's a hope that doesn't depend on your circumstances. This isn't, you know, as long as you've got your family at Christmas, you know, you'll be okay. This isn't, um, as long as you've got a good job next year to look forward to, you'll be okay. It isn't, you know, as long as you get a good break and get some good time off over the summer, you know, then there's, then there's lots to be hopeful for, you know. Um, because I don't know what your Christmas is looking like this year. I'm sure lots of us are looking forward to great celebrations. Maybe some of us are looking forward to some time off. Um, and, and advertising and marketing, of course, will tell us that that's the sort of Christmas that we should always expect, that we should, um, you know, be looking forward to the celebrations and a uh, great Christmas with our happy families and uh, a great time of celebration. But we know that that's not always the reality, don't we? For some of us, we know that as we approach Christmas, we do so with uncertainty, maybe fear, because we don't know what next year is going to look like. Or maybe for some of us, as we approach Christmas, we do so with trepidation because we know there's lots of mess that might make Christmas really hard. Uh, for some of us as we approach Christmas we do so with sadness because we know it's not going to be what we wish it was. It could be because people we wish would be there with us aren't going to be there. We could be feeling all sorts of things as we come to Christmas this year. But the reason for hope that Zechariah gives us, can you see how these reasons for hope, they are true whether we're going to have the best Christmas ever or whether we're going to have a really hard one this year. Either way, God has come. He's come to rescue us. If we trust in him and belong to Jesus, we know we'll be in his kingdom forever. 
The hard times will come to an end. They won't last. We will live eternally with him. There is so much reason for hope. Even if it's a hard one, we can have that hope, celebrate that hope this Christmas time. So hope for those who stuff up, hope for those who need rescue. Lastly, hope for those who are far off. Well, in the last part of Zachariah's song, he's praised God. He finally now turns to speak about his newborn child, uh, John. John, who will go on to be known as John the Baptist. Zechariah says this, he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go in before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. This is what John the Baptist is going to do. He's going to go out to the people. He's going to shine a light in the darkness. He's going to tell them about God's mercy, of God's forgiveness. He's going to call on people to repent, help guide the people onto the right path, the path of peace, as it says there. The news of great hope, it's the, the hope that comes at Christmas time through Jesus. The news now has to get out there. The, the news of hope has to be shared. And this is really such a powerful image of it, isn't it? This, this image of light and darkness. Um, Stephen used it really helpfully in the kids' talk. Um, one, of the, um, one of the big TV shows that came out this year, uh, one, of the, one of the shows that I watched this year was um, an Amazon show. Uh, Amazon did a big budget adaption of the Wheel of Time books. Uh, you, you can't even see it there really well because it's, um, it's so dark. But in the Wheel of Time, there's this sort of parallel world that they call the Ways. And the Ways is this very dark place, almost kind of supernaturally dark. Um, you can't even see your hands in front of your face. It's so dark. Lights, lights kind of don't even work properly in this place. You can't see very far ahead of you. The whole place, it's dark and it's full of all sorts of perilous paths. There's all sorts of dangerous drops and all sorts of places where you could fall to your death. And the only way in the story, the only way you could survive the ways is if someone comes to guide you, if someone comes who knows the way, if someone comes who has, the, has a light, someone who can take you the whole way, guide your feet along the right path so that you can get safely out. This is the picture of Zachariah's song. Lots of people are living in darkness and John comes to guide them, to bring them light and to bring them along the safe path of peace. But who are all the people living in darkness? Well, who are, these, who are these wanderers? Who are these people that need to know God's light, who need to know God's salvation? Well, I actually think it can be lots of people. It can be those who live without hope, maybe because life has been harsh to them, the poor, the down and out. It could be those who are confused about life, whether there's any meaning in the world. It could be those who choose to live for temporary pleasure but don't see any lasting value for life. I think it includes everyone who doesn't know Jesus. We all have friends, family, neighbours, colleagues who either don't know Jesus or have chosen not to follow him. You might be here today and you might be unsure about uh, whether you would follow Jesus. Well, we're so glad you're here, so glad uh, that you're coming here to investigate further. But living in darkness, I think it can include all those sorts of people. I think it can also include um, people who maybe are a little bit like Zachariah. Maybe they're good people, maybe even spiritual or religious and respected um, could probably, you know, maybe be on a ch even a church leadership team. Uh, but when it came down to it, Zechariah didn't really trust God to deliver. Well, 
But the ending of Zachariah's story is a happy one, isn't it? He, he had a momentary stuff up, but he learned the hard way that he can trust God. He can bank on God to deliver. And we can all learn from his words, can't we? The light, the light comes from choosing to trust in God, trusting him to come through, trusting him to guide you, even if you don't really know where he's taking you. The light comes by putting your hope in his salvation, in his tender mercy, by trusting in his forgiveness. That's where real hope can be found. Simple trust. Simple trust that God will come through. That's what the light is. When we learn from Zechariah and trust God, will we do that? Will we look to the hope that God offers? Will we look to the light this Christmas? And will we, like John, take the opportunity to share Jesus with all those out there in our community who are as Zachariah's song has put it, the people who are living in darkness. If we know the hope that Jesus offers, if we know the light, well, we have an opportunity to share that light, uh, to guide others into that path of peace. Of course, our friends, our family, our neighbours, our colleagues, uh, they, they need this light, this, they need this hope. Of course, we know some of them aren't maybe ready to hear about Jesus, maybe they've heard it before, maybe they've decided Jesus isn't for them. Uh, Maybe for some of them, they even find the idea of religion or Christianity a little bit offensive. But um, for one thing, we might be surprised. People sometimes are more open than we think. I think it was in a weekly email a couple of weeks ago that Simon highlighted a stat that said something like 68% of Australians would be open to come along to a church service if they were personally invited. Maybe that neighbour, that friend um, that you have, maybe they actually would be willing to give it a go. Maybe their last few years of COVID has hit them hard and they're now ready to ask some of those hard questions. And maybe there are others that won't be in that place, but I think one thing this passage does show us is that Jesus' offer of salvation, of mercy, of forgiveness, well, it's still there. And the time might come one day when these people who realise that they're far from God, realise that they've been wandering, realise that they want to come out and come and find out about the hope that Jesus offers. And one of the great things about the little Christmas gifts that um, so many of us have wonderfully made uh, and that we have the opportunity now to take and give to people in our lives, um, one of the great things about it is that it's so easy to do. Everyone, everyone loves a Christmas gift. Maybe some of us will give uh, a Christmas gift out this week and it will lead to a great opportunity to share about hope. Uh, maybe, maybe some of us will give a Christmas gift out this week and it'll lead to an opportunity to invite someone along to Christmas Day or to one of our um, Summer of Hope services in January. Maybe for others, you'll give a Christmas gift out and it won't especially lead anywhere, uh, but it will just be that little reminder, that seed. If the time one day comes that they realise that they've been wandering, they realise they're in the dark and they want to find out about the hope that's found in the rescuing and merciful God, that will be here, that will be ready. And so I hope you can take a few of those Christmas gifts that are down the back. I hope you can give them out. I hope you can pray for those you give them to because... There is hope. There is hope even for those who are far off. Hope that one day they might come and trust in this God of mercy. That one day they might know there is hope for those who step up. There is hope for those who need rescue. And there is hope for those who wander. And there's no better time to celebrate that sure hope than at Christmas time. Let's pray. Well, God, we praise you this morning. You have come to your people and redeemed us. 
You gave us our King of Salvation, Jesus. You're faithful to your promises. And you, there is great, great hope. Father, fill us with hope this Christmas, whether life's going well or whether life is hard. And Father, we pray that this Christmas you would help us to go out. Use us, God, to shine your light on those living in darkness. Help us all to have that deep and simple trust in you. You are God, you can do all things. And so we pray in your name this morning. Amen.